something I want to do is make ballet more accessible and something that is normal and natural within our like American society, you know, so that it is something that people know about, like they do basketball, like they do football. Those are my dreams and my goals. legend in the building today if you don't know you about to know because i get down and talk with misty copeland yes misty copeland that misty copeland i'm gonna tell you all about the misty copeland that's coming on misty copeland oh my goodness i'm hyped because i mean like we gotta recognize when excellence is right in front of us give people their flowers in real time and that's exactly who misty copeland is she's a legend living amongst us we also as a crew are going to talk about thanksgiving i mean is it canceled or not i mean i don't know the holiday just to me is just like food and football we're gonna get into it let's go Happy holidays, everybody, from me to yours, from mine to yours, from my family to your family, from MoCo to Yoko. Listen, I'm just saying happy holidays because this is the holiday that if nothing else, we need to just be giving thanks, be grateful. You know, I got it tatted, blessed and grateful. I got it tatted as a reminder, just always to to stay grateful and, and know that you're blessed. Even when you don't feel like you're in a blessing, you're blessed. So this holiday... I just was thinking about, all right, what are the vibes of Thanksgiving and what am I thankful for? And so I think about like, first of all, why is the year almost over already? Like, why is it almost 2024? I know like they say this all the time, but like, it's like time is rolling. So first I think about health, like my family's healthy. We made it to another year. MoCo, listen, MoCo we're going to drop some MoCo milestones soon because y'all really, I'm thankful for y'all is what I'm trying to get to. I'm thankful for our fans, man, because remotely Renee started out during the pandemic as a way for me and my family to connect. Like we were, we all live in different places and it was a, a scary time and we just wanted to make sure that we were communicating on a regular basis so we got on zoom and we talked to each other and we just talked about our week our thoughts our feelings like all of that that's all we did on that zoom and so then after the pandemic like after everything opened up and our family started going about their almost normal lives as normal as it could be at that time well we wanted to still connect a little bit while being remote and that's why we called it remotely renee and it was you know snook Cole, VP, which is Paul Garino, who is our producer still on this show. We just set out to just like, all right, let's talk about what's going on in sports, culture, and entertainment. Let's just cover it from our point of views. We're multi-generational. You know, we've lived a lot of lives. Even me, I'm 36, but when you play overseas and you're submerged in other cultures, you know, I've lived in Israel. I've lived in Australia. I've lived in Russia. I've lived in Turkey. I've lived in France. I didn't just visit those places. I've been submerged in their cultures. So you start to learn a lot of things when you see how other people are living around the world. And so it's just us all coming together with our thoughts. And then a year later, after, after launching remotely Renee, we rebrand, we get picked up by the Lebetard Network. So shouts to Dan Lebetard too. I'm thankful for Dan because Dan saw the vision of, you know, like a lot of people don't give a platform 
to voices that look like ours. You know, a lot of people don't even want to hear from our voices sometime. So for Dan Lebatar specifically and the Lebatar Network, Metal Arc Media, all the people over there, man, when we started to link up and we started to just build things, Montgomery and Co. came to life, you know, shouts to everybody that works on this show. All of those people make this what it is. Like to put on a show every week, this is episode 81. And to put on a show every week, it's tough. There's a reason why a lot of podcasts after a certain amount of episodes, you see it just kind of stops because it's hard. It takes dedication. You have to want to do it. And you have to want to do it well. Like for me, it's like sports, you know, I'm a sports playing everything. I'm not going to do anything if I can't do it well. So every week my team knows we're challenging ourselves. They're like, how can we do better? How can we switch it up? How can we change this up? Like, what can we do? And so I just feel like that's what I'm thankful for. So I'm thankful for having a platform that I can say my thoughts and speak my piece and do it unfiltered. Because when you have a platform, you can say what you want. Like right now I can say anything. You know, well, I could say anything right now. And guess what? It would go to an audience, a large audience at that. And so that's why I'm thankful for y'all because y'all keep us going, man. If we, if, if nobody was listening or, or nobody cared, it would be hard to keep going. If nobody was paying attention, it is hard to keep going. But if you are somebody that doesn't have a lot of people listening yet, keep going. If this is your passion, having said all of that, I'm done. Okay, it's the holidays. We all get a little sappy on the holidays, but I'm thankful for y'all this holiday. You know, when we're getting close to, you guys know every year, this is when we shut down. We start to shut down after my birthday is on December 2nd. And that's usually whatever Thursday falls around my birthday. That's usually our last episode of the year. And we shut down for the holidays. But I just wanted to make sure that I let y'all know, like, I appreciate y'all rocking with us. There's a lot of places you could be. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with me, and I appreciate that. What's up with it, Misty? I'm hyped. Thank you for joining me here on Montgomery & Co. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, of course. So first of all, it's an honor. Like, Roy, you guys didn't hear before, but Roy, one of our senior producers, literally told Misty, congrats on all of her success. And I feel like that's how we just need to, oh. this is how we need to greet you because <laughs> you, like, you have the distinction of being the first Black female principal dancer with the American Ballet Theater. Like, I want to just start there, first of all. <laughs> I know, like any other athlete, you had to have put in your 10,000 hours. So, like, what does a yeah. team something like that mean? Like, I know them hours. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it means a lot, first of all, just to speak to, to people who understand the journey, you know, like as an athlete and, you know, being in this position, being able to to educate people in terms of what ballet is and that it it is extremely athletic and takes so much commitment and dedication and then on top of it being, you know, a minority being black and being in this field is rare and it's extremely difficult. You know, this was an art form that was created for white European people and was not made for us to, you know, exist in and to, to succeed in. And so, you know, it's been a long journey and, you know, I feel like I'm doing this for so many that were not given the opportunity and did not have the access like I have had. 
And so, you know, it's taken me years to really accept that this is me. It's happening too, um, though. I, you know, it feels like it's just been generations and generations of black and brown women who have who have opened these doors slowly for me to get to this place. Man, no, but that's powerful to hear you saying that. And so you say like the access that you have had. And so like, how did you get into the other side on ballet? Yeah. So, you know, it started uh, with sports <laughs> coming from my mom. I, so I, I was born um, in Kansas City, Missouri. My mom grew up dancing and just she was obsessed with sports and specifically football. Are y'all are y'all cheese fans? My mom is diehard. I mean, my mom, my mom has got a tattoo of the freaking arrowhead like on her arm. She was a professional cheerleader for the Chiefs when she was just 17 years old. I think she was like one of the youngest. And she didn't really have interest in being a cheerleader. She wanted to be on the field. She wanted to have front row seats to see her team. And so, you know, I grew up in a sports heavy household and I was always very athletic, but didn't really take any interest in playing any sports. Music was always being played around the house, but I had, you know, very athletic family. And I found my passion and movement. So hearing music and finding this escape through moving my body and expressing myself in that way really helped me in terms of just the situations that I grew up in. We were always in unstable settings, you know, not having a roof over our head, sleeping on other people's couches, living in motels. My mom married four times before we would settle in San Pedro, California, where I started to attend the Boys and Girls Club. And that's where I found ballet. There was a free ballet class that was being offered on the basketball court <laughs> in the gym. And so I took my first ballet class at 13 years old and was told immediately that I was a prodigy. What does that look like for ballet? Because I figured on the court, when we see the throwback videos of like Steph Curry, when his dad was playing, he's making <laughs> all these shots and I'm like, oh gosh, he was good even then. So what does that look like for you? They're like, what is a prodigy in ballet yeah. like as soon as you hit it? So, you know, what my teacher was saying to me was that she'd never seen anyone that was physically so capable of, you know, uh, I, I could mimic whatever it was I was seeing. I could hold my leg up to my ear. You know, I, I had the, the coordination and the musicality. All of these things were connecting. I could retain and hold on to the information that I was getting. And it was, you know, it was like learning a new language, literally learning a new language. I was on point within three months, which usually takes like 10 years um, before you have the, the training and the technique to be able to carry yourself and support yourself to stand on your toes. And so does and then, that have to do with athleticism? I'm asking questions because yeah. honestly, I don't know enough about ballet. <laughs> I feel like whoever's listening might not know either. So I'm just going to be asking Yeah. It might seem basic, but it's like, like you may stand straight up on your toe. You were yes. doing that in how long? In three months. Come on, um, Missy. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, it's it, these aren't ignorant questions. I mean, I think that, you know, something I want to do is make ballet more accessible and something that is normal and natural within our like American society, you know, so that it is something that people know about, like they do basketball, and like they do football and that you can go to a public school and have ballet offered to you. Like those are my dreams and my goals and through my foundation and other things I'm doing. But I think it's very similar to thinking of any professional athlete 
athlete. You know, if someone can be naturally coordinated, someone can be natural in all these ways, but it takes time. You know, it takes time to build up the stamina, to build up the muscle strength. And I did have a lot of that naturally. I don't, I don't know why or how, but um, I only yeah, trained. I know. Yeah. My dad, my dad uh, played basketball as well, but so there's a lot of athletes in my family, but um, I, I trained in ballet for four years before I would go professional. So um, at 17, I moved to New York city and was accepted into American ballet theater. I, I feel like I just have to, you know, like every time you say stuff like this, we have to just <laughs> give a little snap, snap. I know my life growing up was like, you know, when you're on the pathway to, you know, you went pro 17, but for us, it looks like going, I wanted to go big D one. So mm-hmm. what is your non-sports life even look like? It, it, like, cause for my, <laughs> cause like, do you guys like, what's y'all's non-sports life? Like, because we had one, but didn't really have one. No, I think it's, I think it's the same. I think it's similar. It's a short career. It's a short career. It's a it's a young man's game, a young woman's game, and you know you commit so much of your time to it. You know, we're in the studio, you know, five six days a week, up to eight hours a day rehearsing, and that's just when we're in rehearsal season and when we're in performance season. You can be in the theater. Yeah, eight hours a day. So it's brutal. And there's not really ever a moment that you can take off. You know, I would say maybe at the most you would take a week off because your your muscles forget so quickly. You lose the, the smallest little bits of muscles and strength. And it takes a lot to perform in a three-act ballet that can be three to four hours long. There's just so much that goes into it. So there's not a lot of downtime. I've been going nonstop for over 20 years. Um, with American Ballet Theater. And I'd say not until the pandemic hit that I really experienced what it is to be like a normal human being. And what did you do in that time? Like, how did you even function, Miss? You know, I feel like it all kind of happened at the perfect time. It was like this perfect storm where I was already starting to kind of wind down in terms of feeling like I have done so much and I am exhausted mentally, physically, emotionally. You know, I've been dancing on in, in, I guess it's no longer an injury, but I had surgery on my leg about 10 years ago, right? Six stress fractures in my tibia and I had a plate screwed in and it took care of the problem, meaning I could continue to jump and I wouldn't be injuring it any further, but the pain is excruciating. So for the last 10 years, I've been pushing through, you know, I wouldn't even jump until I would go on stage, which is like crazy because that's how you build strength. You have to do what you're going to do in performance. And- so this is called load management. So I, this, is, <laughs> this is so crazy because anybody that's in the basketball world, you had to do load management, which meant in practice, you pretty, you pretty much couldn't go full in practice. You could only go into games. Exactly. And that is exhausting to go for that long, you know, where you're just trying to like, manage the pain, but, you know, there's so much pressure and, and expectation. And it got to that point right before the pandemic where I was just like, I am exhausted and I don't want to go on stage and not be passionate about what I'm doing and be doing it for the wrong reasons. And not because I want to be out there. I never wanted to do it. Not that we get paid (laughs) anything compared to what professional athletes get paid, but I don't want to be out there doing it because it was a job and, and to make money. And so I feel like the pandemic came at the right time. And I know it was so, such a terrible time for so many people, especially artists. But, you know, I feel like it gave me a moment to step back and focus on things that to me are 
equally, if not more important than my performance career and that are, uh, you know, contributing to the ballet community and to moving the art form forward and to bringing more diversity to it in ways that I just didn't have the time to do before. And so I feel like I'm still on that journey. Um, and I had a baby in that time. Okay. Uh, <laughs> baby on in there. Okay. Girl. I'm like, all right, I had a baby. Um, that part too. <laughs> it's been really, um, fulfilling to be able to take what I do on stage and kind of share, share with a broader audience, um, what it is to be a part of this field and, um, the benefits of exposing young people and people in general to the, to this art form. It's amazing because it's an education process, even right mm -hmm. now for me. And you mentioned like, even though we don't make a lot. And so again, we're women's sports, so we understand that, but I'm curious, like, is there a large difference in male ballet dancers salaries as opposed to women ballet dancers, or is it just, no one really makes a lot of money in the field. Cause it's so crazy because you talk about the hours you put in and it's like, mm -hmm. we say it kind of same on women's sports. We all are putting in our 10,000 hours. It is crazy because I'm just curious what it looks like on your side financially. You know, I'd say it's pretty equal in terms of men and women, but it's just the field, you know, it's so interesting because so much money is put into it, you know, into the institutions, into the theaters, into, you know, it's, it's a, it's a wealthy culture, but the people on the stage making the art don't make the money. It's fascinating because women are kind of at the helm of ballet. And that's very unusual for a sport, you know, that women are not the ones that are often put up on that pedestal. And in ballet, you know, they are the ballet. The woman is. The man is there to support her and, and literally stand behind her and support her. So I would say that it's pretty equal in terms of like pay. Then wouldn't that be weird then if it is equal? I'm it shouldn't be, right? <laughs> It should not be. <laughs> Wait a minute. I heard a little something there. I'm like, Wait. it should not be. But yes, it is. I would say it is. I mean, it's it's different too. Like once you reach the point of principal dancer, um, then you can negotiate your contract. And I think it really depends on like how big of a star you are, what you know, what kind of ticket sales you're bringing in, stuff like that. But across the board, if you're like in the ranks, like the court of ballet, which is the the bottom rank, and then the soloist, it's a pretty set pay standard that doesn't really fluctuate. Interesting. Okay. So that's cool. So I also, so there's so many things I want to ask you about. So I'm going to jump to one of the people that you called your, you know, like mentorship that basically changed your trajectory. It's Raven Wilkinson. Yeah. And I'm just curious, you know, like you talked about like how she's grateful. You mentioned it in your book about, you know, your book, by the way, is The Wind at My Back. So if you guys haven't, check her book out, please. Like, I just like, this woman has a wealth of knowledge as you guys can see just sitting here. Um, but can you just talk about that, that mentorship? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's been such a big part of my journey um, that I wouldn't be in this position if I didn't have incredible support and specifically from black women stepping into this world, you know, I was the only black woman at American ballet theater for the first decade of my career. And I was so fortunate to have so many black women who were not even in the field that were first in their, you know, whatever, whatever it was that they did and would, and reached out to me. And they were like, you may be literally the only person in the room that looks like you, but you're not alone. And we are here with you. And I've had so many of those women that I've been able to turn to when things were just overwhelmingly difficult. But Raven, I learned about her, not in a history book, because our history is not written and documented as Black dancers, as Black women, as Black ballet dancers in these ballet history books. I found out about her 
randomly watching this documentary on this old ballet company called the Ballet Russe de Monte Carlo. They were like the ballet company that brought ballet from Europe to America and really influenced all of the, the big American ballet companies we have today. And I'm watching this long documentary and towards maybe like an hour and a half in, this old black lady comes on the screen and starts talking about how she was the first and only black woman to dance in this company in the 1950s and all of the craziness she experienced. I mean, the company would tour through the South, you know, and she was dealing with, you know, segregation and Jim Crow and the KKK literally stopping the tour buses and, and searching for her because they learned there was a, a Negro, you know, performing in this troupe. They would come onto the stage during dress rehearsals, threatening her life. And I was just floored. I was like, how don't I know this history? And why don't I know this history? And so I just became obsessed with Raven. And, you know, you couldn't really Google people at that time. So I was like, how am I going to find out more about her? My manager ended up looking her up in like, I don't know, the yellow pages or the white pages. I don't know what? which one is for, which one is for like a personal, I don't know. I don't know which one book. it is. The phone book. Yes. And um, found out that she lived a block away from me on the Upper West Side of New York City. You are lying. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, and, you know, called her. And the first time that we met was at the Studio Museum in Harlem. We did a conversation. It was about two generations of Black ballerinas. And we became like inseparable ever since then. And just having someone, I mean, her stories and the history and the knowledge and her passion was what changed my life, my career, my perspective on everything. But just seeing someone who looked like me, like being in the same room with her, knowing that she walked in a similar path, just gave me so much more confidence in what it was I was doing. But she just made me see that like, this is so much bigger than me. Like everything I'm doing, like I'm doing this for her. She never got an opportunity to reach these heights that I'm at because she's a black woman and dancing in that time. It changed everything for me, like meeting her and having that relationship. That's so beautiful because it's, first of all, for you to even be able to get the firsthand account, like, you know, like no, mm -hmm. no amount of Google, no amount of documentaries would have been able to let you know that firsthand account. And also, you know how like sometimes when you're like, I'm tired, boss. Well, when you start to hear stories about like, dang, like even me for Hoopers before, it's like what they had to do to play. They, there was not even a WNBA. So they was playing overseas. And it's like, so then I'm not tired anymore. I'm like, exactly. all right, let me just do my thing. So first of all, when I love talking to other athletes, because parallel war worlds collide when I'm talking to you, it's like I've lived your experience, even though it's different sports. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm curious about the wind at my back. Like the title's dope. <laughs> is it a lot about that kind of situation? What's the book about? This is my eighth book that I've written. So my first book is my memoir. It's called Life in Motion. And this, I guess you would consider this a second memoir, like 10 years later. Um, so it kind of picks up where my, my memoir left off. So it kind of goes into my journey becoming a principal dancer and kind of paralleled with Raven's journey as she's starting out and her career and then how our worlds kind of collided and came together and how she was literally there with me, guiding me, you know, the years into becoming a principal dancer and how she had so much impact, you know, the importance of mentorship and having someone who's there by your side. And she used to call me before every performance 
we'd either talk or she would leave a voicemail and she would always say, when you're up there on that stage, just know that I'm with you. Let me be the wind at your back. So she would literally say that to me before every performance. And so that phrase just like means so much to me. So that's, that became the title of the book. So you, are you a writer? Because like you said, eight books, I know you got a short film coming now. So there's a second career here you're developing. <laughs> there's a, yeah, there's a, a lot that, you know, again, it's because of art, the arts, because of ballet that I feel like I, I can express myself in many different ways, but I have the discipline. I have the passion, the persistence, but I've been writing in journal since I was like seven years old. And I've kept every single one of those journals, which is helpful when I do write certain books to be able to look back on those things. But it's a way of expression. It's it's artistic. It's a release. It's creative. With everything I'm doing, it's because of ballet. I've got myself and my hands in a lot of different pots, but it's all connected to the same purpose and mission with the production company, Life in Motion Productions. You know, we're working on a ton of content that's really about, like I was saying earlier, creating content and access, but how do we normalize the arts experience in American society? Because ballet is seen as so niche. It's seen as something that's not connected, especially to black and brown communities. But how do we take this tool and this, it's a storytelling tool, this technique of ballet, but we can still tell stories that reflect us in our communities, which is what we've done with the short film Flower. It's set in Oakland, California. It's taking these social issues the community is dealing with, gentrification, the housing crisis, homelessness, and using street dancers and ballet and contemporary dance. And it's a it's a 28 minute film that uses this dance and movement technique to tell a story that's very relevant, not just to the community of Oakland, but to so many communities in America. Wow, that's dope. I love how, see, you're taking like your expertise and you're just like dispersing it out. And <laughs> I love it. I see you. I love it. <laughs> and, you know, you also you did a petition for the emojis. Right. So because when you said you reminded me because you said it's, it's niche. And to that point in other emojis, we get an array of different things. So can you just talk about your petition that you wanted to have for the emojis? Yeah, you can go to change.org and see this petition to, you know, have Apple make more color options for the point shoe emoji. And to me, you know, I've gotten so many different comments about this and, you know, it's bigger than an emoji. It's bigger than ballet. It's about inclusion. It's about seeing yourself represented. You know, young people live on social media. Emojis represent them and their voice and what they're feeling. And it's just going deeper into, you know, this culture of ballet. And that's something as, you know, that so many people don't think about something as simple as the pink point shoes, the pink ballet slippers and the pink tights. Those represent the color of your skin. And if that doesn't say you shouldn't be a part of this, we don't accept you, then I don't know what does. So, you know, that's something the ballet world has been working to change for a very long time. And over the last couple of years, there have been some changes in terms of having more options available to dancers so that they're, they can have a continuous line, which is the point of wearing those point shoes and pink tights is to create a through line from the top of your head to the tips of your toes. And for black and brown people, it's like it stops at your 
at your waist <laughs> when you got pink tights on and pink shoes on. So, you know, it's deeper than an emoji, but it's about inclusion and it's about, you know, representation and, and seeing yourself in, in, in spaces that are especially white. That's exactly why education matters. Misty mm-hmm. Copeland, man, thank you for joining us here on yeah, Montgomery. Thank Co. you. I, you know what? I, I got to get you some gear. I, I didn't talk about it. I got to send you some Greatness Wins gear. That's the the new line that, that I have out, uh, Greatness Wins that Derek Jeter and I came together and created this athletic wear brand. And I just launched the women's line about a month ago. So check it out. Greatnesswins.com. I got to, I got to, got to get you over some stuff. There's nothing (laughs) athletes love more than merch. My merch and also look a book like I need to buy a book so you can sign it. I'm a fan because anytime you're the first in something, we know that like there's a reason that it hasn't been done before is was extremely difficult. And so you're the first in a lot of different things. So I'm just trying to give you flowers, show you love. Congratulations on all your 511 books. Life in Motions (laughs) Productions is about to blow. I just feel like a lot of things are going to happen because people like to be educated and entertained. And it seems like that's what you're trying to do. So thank you so much. Thank you for joining us here on Montgomery and Coming. It's an honor to meet you. I'm so proud of you. Thank you for having me. So coming up next, we're going to get right into it. We're going to talk Thanksgiving. Is it canceled or not? I just need to know. We're going to discuss with the crew next. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. MoCo Newsroom back at it for Thanksgiving edition. And you know what? Because we got a lot of questions when it comes to Thanksgiving. So we're just going to tackle them. Thanksgiving. What did you call uh, Thanksgiving, Roy? What What was that? Uh, it is the middle child. <laughs> Nobody notices anymore. I'm a middle child. Sorry, Serena. <laughs> That's exactly where we're going to start. Because <laughs> Thanksgiving is pretty much the middle child. And what we mean by that is last week, y'all heard us talk about Halloween making $12 billion. It's obviously big money. The second biggest money making holiday behind Christmas. And then you have Thanksgiving sandwiched right in between these two holidays, Halloween and Christmas. And then there's Thanksgiving in the middle. The middle child. Serena said she's a middle child, but I don't want to say that and then have to say this part, though. Does Thanksgiving not really even matter anymore at this nope. point? Is it, over? <laughs> Is it over for Thanksgiving? Like Renee, they're doing Christmas commercials 
before Halloween. Yeah, that's true. Wawa already popped their Christmas cups. <laughs> <laughs> there ain't no turkey cups. Not Wawa, I bet Starbucks too. I would be shocked if Starbucks don't have some Christmas something very much so soon on the way. Oh, they already started as soon as fall started in September. <laughs> Get that pumpkin spice, baby. Yes, 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 yes. So, okay. So here's the thing. What Thanksgiving and Gino said Christmas decorations been sold out since. Oh, yes. So in our production meeting, Gino let us know that they went to the store and the Christmas decorations have been sold out since September. That's right. Wow. That's right. Thanksgiving really ain't built like that. Nope. And um, for obvious reasons, because. What Thanksgiving was built on ain't built like that. And so we kind of just pretty much was like Thanksgiving really ain't nothing. So we made it a food holiday. Now we're like, you know what? Let's just have our Friendsgiving and be thankful. We didn't change Thanksgiving into whatever we want to make it. Let's just Thanksgiving give Thanksgiving. <laughs> Let's just give thanks on this day because we're not going to celebrate Thanksgiving. Like we have adjusted Thanksgiving because we don't want to be involved in what it was built on. But then it keeps on like, is Thanksgiving even a thing other than football all day? Football day. <laughs> football day. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that Thanksgiving is not what it used to be. And the, and there's a couple of reasons why. And number one is because now we're awake. Mm. We know the story that we was growing up to be told. And we was wondering how they was breaking bread, the way it was breaking bread after they'd done all this stuff. Just figured out that that was all a lie. That was a straight lie. And then the second thing is when Black Friday became internet based, <laughs> there was no reason for Thanksgiving anymore. It's like... <laughs> did that so they can go for black friday sales at night running through the streets for for tvs and in video games and now that everything is cyber monday and cyber friday and all that there's no need for there's no need for thanksgiving and speaking of that since we're at football day is thursday you know amazon made black friday football day there will be the first ever NFL game on a on black friday it's called to your point of how that holiday is really becoming a Jane, a main Jane. And she's like, she's giving main player. She's giving main character, all of that. Black Friday now has an NFL game. And okay, y'all might be saying, Renee, sports doesn't run the world. Why are you always equating it things does. to sports? It, it kind of does. does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Especially football. Yeah. Especially yes, football. you guys, football now has a game. They There are, just so people may know, I always just like to say, football is usually played in the NFL on Sundays, on Mondays, and on Thursdays. That's usually the three days that the NFL plays. The NFL now has one lonely Friday game. And will you guess what day that is? Black Friday, you guys. I want you to say Thanksgiving is over for the kid. That's all I'm trying to say. Thanksgiving is over for you. That's it. That's all. That's it's it. just food that day. Like now it's going to be health and wellness day. We're going to have to. Next thing you know, they're going to be trying to tell us to eat something. Friends and family day. <laughs> right. That, that's what I like it for. I like it for the food and the family. I, I find any excuse to hang out with my family. So any holiday, honestly. But yeah. Poor girlfriends. Now they're going to have two days of football before we we only had to deal with Thanksgiving Day. Now we've got to deal with Black Friday. That's right. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Thanksgiving week between the NFL and college football, there's, there's going to be football every day except for Tuesday. That's right. That's ridiculous. That's true. That's going to be everybody's travel day. Like, so basically, Thanksgiving is now football week. Food and football week. That is what I will now call Thanksgiving, the food and football week, because it's like, what are we really doing with the Thanksgiving holiday anyway? It's not built on nothing, but we did love the food. So we're still going to keep that aspect of it. And we're just going to now turn it to 
family and football, then we'll call it that family and football. So this for everybody, because I know y'all always tell me family all the time and football day, family and football day, because everything maybe doesn't revolve around sports, even though I feel like it. OK, moving on. Headline topic number two, bringing people home for the holidays. Let's take Thanksgiving, per se. Cole, do your sons have to tell you they're bringing somebody or can I just rock up with somebody that I was feeling that I want to bring anybody to my house? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, yep. 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 Roy seconds that notion. This is not the day for you just to bring anybody. You can bring anybody on a regular day. Hey mom, we're gonna stop by. This yeah, okay. Family cool. time. But on on a holiday, I don't want to be bothered with nothing crazy, <laughs> nothing new. I I don't know people's attitudes. They don't eat this, and then you got allergies. <laughs> I, they can't be in a room with peanut butter. They gotta have an EpiPen for this. I don't want them problems. So don't bring them problems to my house. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want nobody accidentally eating something that has shellfish or something and they swelling up. Just leave me alone. Don't bring nobody new. Nobody. Leave me alone. No new friends. No, no, no. No new friends. (laughs) Yeah, just like you don't just bring anybody to a funeral. You don't bring anybody to Thanksgiving. Because you know how these fights happen at funerals. But that makes sense. No, you don't. Man, oh my gosh. <laughs> There's so many stories of people getting into fights at funerals because they brought the wrong person. No, I know I know what you mean. I know what you mean, actually. Same thing happens for Thanksgiving. Wow. Snook, what about you? Would you be okay if we just bought some randoms <laughs> to the house on a, the biggest holiday? Listen, if I'm the kid, I'm going to say, listen, I've been talking to Shadi for like three weeks now. Y'all just don't know her. We pulling up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Say, yeah, no. Yeah. no 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 people are crazy no 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 oh, well, it used to be back in the day where you know it was kind of a, a day that you did throw open your doors and you had people from maybe you know a few neighbors friends family but things are so crazy now you just don't want all that drama you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> Nobody bad kids. No. Don't bring bad them. energy. No. No. Hey, yeah. Who, who'd you vote for? Get out of my house. Oh, there's certain oh, things you feel the now. You definitely can't talk about at dinner. <laughs> Babe, what about you? Can Junior's girlfriend come to Thanksgiving? You know what? Um, I'm trying to oh, practice a little bit more open-mindedness because oh, I am Lord. I am a helicopter mom. And usually Sorry, I will be God. like, nah. But you know what? I'm like, uh... I'm trying not to say never. So if he's away at college and then he's like, mom, I'm bringing home this girl. Not, I mean, Jesus. not to. OK, so I have one rule. She can't sleep over. She can't sleep over and like no sleepovers at the house. But if she comes for one day, Thanksgiving, maybe Christmas. When she leave out the door, Junior walking right behind us. See, I'm not, <laughs> this, this be real mind now. If you go, I baby. said I'm trying to be a little more open minded. Let's just be real. I mean, you think he's just going to let her go to sleep somewhere by herself and be in a no, strange right, city right. on Thanksgiving <laughs> without him? Mm. You When you say, like, OK, oh, well, you better be back by midnight. <laughs> Midnight. <laughs> Midnight. Wow. One of the main reasons you don't want to, I've had this happen before. You know, somebody comes to the door and, you know, the pot's on the stove and the food's on the table. If they don't wash their hands, they go right oh up there and they start picking up stuff. <laughs> and I mm-hmm. say, eh, 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 we wash our hands here. And, you know, oh, and, <laughs> and she will. She'll catch you quick. Uh, 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 uh. You don't put my refrigerator. <laughs> you washed your hands. You better, you better have manners <laughs> when you go to snooze. You know, okay. I, I don't play that. So you better know who you bring them because they could get their feelings hurt. And if you bring somebody new to the house, 
under no circumstances do you criticize the food. You better lie. Ooh, lie. Yes. If that food is bad, you better lie. And say yes to everything. If they offer you something, say yes. Oh, gosh, that kills me <laughs> with Miss Lucy and them. That's why she's saying it. Listen. It's a sign of disrespect if you say no, especially in a Hispanic family. I got married into a Dominican family. I don't know if everybody knows what that means, but Dominicans, the way that they show love They'll is feed like you, to feed you. feed you. Like when you, when that's, I go over to Miss Lucy's house, there's always <laughs> there is always food at Miss Lucy's house. It's so crazy. Always. It's like yes. you cook every day, Miss Lucy. I can't believe this. <laughs> and Miss Lucy, every time I walk into the house, Renee, you hungry? Right. And I'm like, oh, and and Sam, here goes Sam. Yeah, she's hungry. I be like, yes. baby, we just ate. What are you talking about? Me and Junior be so mad because she'll volunteer us all as hungry. And then Miss Lucy will make our plates because, listen, I'm married into a Dominican family, so they make your plates. It is a really nice life. I will say that, you guys. <laughs> like, they make your plates. They cook for you. It's amazing. You know, there's a whole debate about that online right now because they're saying that, like, you know, now kind of like the new age women are not making their partners plates. And so you have, like, the Hispanic aunts and mothers looking at them like, <laughs> You're not going to make your <laughs> partner's plate. What are you even doing? Oh, boy. <laughs> All right, right. Look, look. Well, I don't know. It's not a have to, but it really is a luxury that I do have that Miss Lucy. But to that point, there's no such thing as no. Mm. I literally, she said, do you want rice? I said, no, thank you, Miss Lucy. And like, what you mean you don't want no rice? Oh, yes, I want rice, Miss Lucy. Thank you. Like, <laughs> take these beans. Let's go. See, that's the thing. And see, this is what I tell people. When you take people to your family's house, you're supposed to give them the whole rundown before they get through the door. When you go in the house, don't go to my mom's house and don't wash your hands because she's going to cut you mm -hmm. right in half. Don't go yep. here and don't do this. If you don't like it, don't put it on your plate because if she sees throwing away, she's going to have an attitude. You wasted her food. Well, that's why you have to flip the plate over so nobody can see what was on it and you push Renee, it down. I don't know what you did when you were little. Oh, no. Snook's <laughs> eye had caught how much you had to put on that plate. She knew how much you had. If you come back to that kitchen to throw anything away, she eyeballing what is left on that plate. She know how much you threw away. If you checking my plate. My mom literally has, she, oh. she stopped liking somebody just because they opened her refrigerator door. So, oh. so it's like, that's something that you just don't do. She's like, Oh wow, they're real comfortable over there. Just open the refrigerator <laughs> door. It's like no, nah, they don't have no home yeah, training. I'm Lucy done. cut from the same cloth. Yes. Mean, that's why we get along so well. That's crazy. There is certain things that I just don't feel comfortable enough. If I'm in somebody's house for the first time, I'm not doing nothing myself. Nope. I'm tapping babe, like, hey babe, can you go get me something to drink? Hey, 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 babe, can you like I'm not doing nothing on my own. I don't know these I, people. I just started getting comfortable to making my own coffee when I go to Snook's house. And it's only because <laughs> Snook makes me comfortable. But she's like, yes, baby, you can do it. And I'm, but I have to make sure, you know, I don't like just just making myself at oh, home. Long story short, you got to be more careful. That goes for both sides of it. If you bring somebody home, you got to tell them all the do's and don'ts of your family. People should know, like in my family, like I'm going to probably be filming when you come around me. So you might want to yes, know, Lord. like I'm going to be filming. <laughs> Shay's going to be taking pictures. You're going to be filming. And people should know that we're the loud family. We are that family that we yes. do sing-alongs. We will randomly break out into real musical <laughs> sing And dance. And dance. And dance to it. And then start coordinating. And then we oh, like, yes. Oh, and then we do it together. We will real have a real life musical every <laughs> holiday. Somebody probably needs to be prepared for that because if you don't know that a family will do that and they break out and do that. 
Like Paul said, I'd go into hiding. <laughs> I believe it. And be ready for some good games because we're very competitive. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, my so gosh. competitive. She told y'all about being a sports family sick. now. Come on now. <laughs> it's no joke around here. So these are just our Thanksgiving. Roy, why did Roy look? Now, Roy is on the camera typing in the chat. Type, I, don't chat. So, so, I don't want to talk to him. I don't want to talk over you. I don't so want to talk over you. I have one question for Roy. So, Roy, so do you let your wife dictate Yes. You guys are going to spend the... You just said yes. You know, let me finish a question. Yes, your wife... As wow. soon as you said dictate, I said yes. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, who decides where you guys are going to spend the holidays? Not me. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. Roy no. is going to be married forever. 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 <laughs> right now. That's the plan. Better or worse. Actually, it might be better and worse. You never know. You know, just that Roy don't want no unnecessary stuff. Like, that's oh Roy. Oh, my goodness. He wants to stay on the good side and the good life and the good vibes with the good wife and, and the good life. I'm here for it. I don't run anything in this house, Renee. I don't run anything. <laughs> I have a daughter. Happy wife, happy life. Happy hey, wife, happy life. This is so funny to me. <laughs> but you guys, this is all we're saying. Thanksgiving is upon us. So if you got a boo or you got a bae, are you thinking about having one because cuffing season is here? Or if you're even just married, look, look, if you're just married, y'all got to, if you're married, be ready for Thursday and Friday. Hello, we got football. I'm just letting the wives know in case there's wives listening to this show, we got a crossover of sports fans and women fans and women's sports fans and all of that. So in case you ain't know, so yes, there's games on Thursday and Friday this year. So. I mean, some wives like football too. That's cool. And some, that's why I said sports fans. If you fit in the category, look, Cole, like if you fit in the category, you fit there. <laughs> that's another thing. Like people will take something you say and say, hey, what about the women? Football fans, it's like, didn't I just say sports fans? Well, y'all in there. Get in line. Like, we included everybody. Equal opportunity. Equal (laughs) opportunity. But the point we're making is this Thanksgiving, you better let people know the do's and don'ts of bringing people to the cribbo, even though Thanksgiving really doesn't exist. Misty Copeland. Like, I just keep on going back to Misty Copeland because it's somebody right here a legend living amongst us and she's like young so it's kind of hard for us to recognize somebody when you know they're younger and they've already done so much you know how she's done so much it's like you have to sacrifice so much to do so much like I'm just think about that like you have to sacrifice so much to do so much if you're an athlete what does that sacrifice look like hours in the gym your personal life is probably gonna suffer it's just a given I don't know any athletes to date and y'all correct me if I'm wrong because you know this is a new age but I don't know any athletes to date that are bragging about making it because they didn't even put in the work like of course you put in the work it's a given so if you want to be successful at the bare minimum you're gonna have to sacrifice and put in work that's the only way if y'all know another way let me know and tell me on Twitter tweet me what is that Kim Possible call me beat me if you want to tweet me I'll see y'all next week where it's a generational thing. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger 
for the ones who get it done.